Speak to us now, Lord, we pray. Speak to our souls today. This is why we've come, dear Lord. We're ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass, but God, your word will forever last. We are ready for your word. Father, we pray now that all that we do and all that we say will be pleasing in your sight. Speak to us clearly and may we hear clearly what the Spirit of God is saying to us so that we would be more than just hearers of your word, but that we would be doers as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At one point or another, everyone in here has either given or received this look. That's the you-know-you-in-trouble look. That's the don't-make-me-go-there look. Or that's the I'm-already-there-and-it's-too-late look. Now, when we think about anger, we think about what causes anger, what gets us to the place where we become angry. Uh, one of the things that I think many of us fail to fully grasp is how we are adversely affected by anger personally. We, we know that anger can affect our fellowship with God. We know that anger can affect our relationship with other people. And sometimes when anger is held in, we fail to realize the damaging effects that anger can have. Check out this sign. Anger is only one letter short of danger. Many of us narrowly define anger, and because we don't cuss and fuss, because we don't throw things and, and break things, we, we think, you know what, I have control of my anger. And what we fail to realize is that anger is not only expressed outwardly, it can also be held onto and do damage internally. Let me give you a couple of examples. Anger will raise your blood pressure which is not a good thing if you already have high blood pressure. Uh, anger can increase your stress level. Uh, some of you, for example, when the body goes into stress and survival mode, you, you can't function like you ideally want to function because of internalized anger. Uh, anger can cause digestive problems, uh, ulcers, IBS, if you don't know what IBS is, look it up. But anger can cause problems with your digestion and cause problem with the internal functioning of your organs. Here's an interesting one. Anger creates muscle tension. And many of you, because you have never dealt with the anger, will never be able to get rid of that literal pain in your neck or the pain in your back because of unresolved anger. Here's another one. The anger out syndrome 
of exploding when you get anger can also become a precipitating factor to a heart attack. So if for no other reason, if, if your relationship with other people, if your fellowship with God is not incentive enough to address the anger problem in your life, think about your own survival. Think about your own health. Today, for a few moments, I want to focus on this idea of how to release the anger in your life so you can experience the freedom and victory that God has for you. I want to continue our look at this subject, how to deal with your own anger. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at various aspects of anger, including the causes of anger, how anger takes advantage of situations and circumstances, and I've challenged you to think about over the last couple of weeks how to control your own anger and or how to avoid anger altogether. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand. And for those of you who are streaming, if you go to the I Am Hope app and you go to the Sunday section, you can download and fill in the blank of the outline on your smartphone device. Anger is a powerful emotion that is both popular and poisonous. And so the question is, how can we take charge of this debilitating emotion so that we can move into and experience God's best for our lives? Now, last week, we shared with you some principles on how to control your anger. And let me just for the sake of setup, go through those three things very quickly. Uh, we said, one, if you're going to control your anger, prepare for anger before you get angry. Like if you know anger is coming, get ready for anger. Uh, there are people who are in your life, some who may have visited you this weekend, hopefully they're not sitting next to you, who have figured out a way to tap on your last nerve to push that button and to get you angry. And, and I want to encourage you, when you see them coming, get ready. Because, listen, they have consistently figured out a way to put you over the top. They are consistent. Nothing has changed about them. So if you know they're on the way, get ready for what's coming your way. Prepare for anger before you get angry. Second thing we shared last week, think about something before you react. We are at our worst when we respond or react before we think. And the Bible says you should sleep overnight and remain silent. That's great advice, right? Before you react, respond, take a moment, call a timeout, and just think and pray about it. Third thing we shared last week, choose the path of escape as soon as it becomes available. Choose the path of escape. Man, you see the conflict coming. You know there's a problem. You feel it escalating. If nobody else sees it escalating, when you feel it's escalating, it's time to disengage. Listen, I think we forgot something at the store. Let me go to the store real quick. No, we got everything. No, we forgot something. <laughs> I need to go get something real quick. I'll be back in a few moments, right? But you've got to disengage when God gives you that path of escape. 
Now, today we're going to continue this idea of how to keep yourself from getting angry. Getting to the place where anger leads to sin. Here's the first thing. Number one, you must confess your unresolved anger as soon as possible before it opens the door to sin. Anger is not sin, but anger can open the door to sin. If you don't resolve anger as soon as possible. Um, The other day I was fixing some fish, and one of the things that I've learned is when you're cleaning fish and you have all of the throwaway parts of the fish, those are not things you want to put in the trash can in an empty trash bag in the kitchen, right? Because as they linger, you're going to get an odor and aroma that you don't want. So you need to just put those things in a separate little bag and take them outside immediately. Well, for somebody in here today, that's what God wants you to do with your anger. Deal with it as soon as possible. Watch James chapter 1 beginning at verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, it's amazing that James says this because you know we do exactly the opposite. We are slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to get angry. And James says, no, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, Why? Verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. You know, it's amazing to have the ability to run game on somebody else. But you are a bad mamma jamma when you can run game on yourself. And God says, many of us, especially in the body of Christ, we have learned how to run game on ourselves. Why? Because we hear the truth. And we think because we hear the truth, we will automatically do what is right. And James says knowing what's right is not the same as living what's right. Don't confuse conviction with a change in conduct. Uh, I know it's probably never happened to you, but you probably know somebody who came to church and it was like, The word of God was knocking on their door, sitting at their table, stepping on their toes, and they said, ouch, and they was like, ooh, boy, that's, man, ooh, I got to change my life, and walked right out and made no changes in their life, and still living as right, not you, but somebody you know, still living the same way in that same area of their life, never making the change. James says, you got to make a change. And for somebody in here, God has been giving you principles to change your practices, to change how you live your life. 
Now, you thought I was joking. I'm telling you the truth. Man, God will give you some pop quizzes to see if what you've been nodding your head yes to while you're here on Sunday morning. And you'll be like, oh, yes, Lord, Pastor. That was, ooh, hallelujah. Yes, that was a word from God. That was a word from me. Pastor, you were speaking into my life. And God said, okay, let's see if you're going to live it now. So here comes somebody on your job. Here comes somebody in your family. Here comes somebody on the street that gives you that pop quiz opportunity. And God says, let's see how you're going to do. God says, let's see how you're going to do. Here's the challenge with anger. Most of us don't want to admit that we've got an anger issue. We're so nice. Folk look at us and they don't think butter melts in our mouth. You're so sweet. Everybody says you're so sweet. But that thing be seething deep down on the inside, right? And we don't want to admit that we're, we're, we're angry because now I got to admit that I'm not in control. And, and, and here's what I do. I so narrowly define anger based on how anger is shown that I don't accept the anger that lives inside of me. So because I don't fuss and cuss, because I don't break stuff, because I don't throw things, because I don't call you out of my name, I don't have a problem with anger. And God says, no, there's some stuff on the inside that you need to resolve. Deal with anger before it becomes sin. Look at Ecclesiastes 11.10. Let's read it together. Don't let your anger control you. And don't let your body lead you to sin. People do foolish things in the dawn of life while they are young. It's amazing. Some of us are still doing foolish things and we've gotten older, right? 1 Timothy 2, 8. So I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up their hands in a holy manner without anger and arguments. Even when we come to worship, it's hard to worship a loving God when you've got an angry spirit. Here's the second thing. Number two, you must release and get rid of your anger as soon as possible. Underline that phrase, as soon as possible. You must release and get rid of your anger as soon as possible. When is anger not sin? A, when you release your anger instead of holding on to it. When you release your anger as soon as possible instead of holding on to it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. Uh, There are those who will argue over whether or not marijuana should be legalized. And one of the arguments against the legalization of marijuana is that it's a gateway drug. Now, I don't know if it is or not, but there are those who would argue and say it's a gateway drug, which basically means it opens the door for other stuff to happen. Anger, if you're not careful, becomes a gateway emotion. Anger will open the door from an angry thought to an angry word to an angry action. It becomes a gateway emotion that will move you into doing and saying things that you said you would never do or say, but you do it under the guise of being angry. 
you release your anger by choosing not to hold on to it. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, rage, anger, clamor, harsh words, and evil speaking, slander, be put away from you with all malice, malicious behavior. That phrase, put away, literally means to be cut off, to take away, to remove, to allow to leave. It's in the imperative mood, but it's in the passive voice, which means, watch this, in our flesh, we are going to hold on to our anger. You know why you hold on to your anger? Because you feel justified in your anger. If you didn't feel justified, you wouldn't hold on to it because they said the wrong thing. They treated me wrong. They acted wrong. They acted ugly. So I'm justified in my flesh, even when it's destructive to my spirit. So Paul says, you got to put it away, but you need some help. Like you need some divine Holy Spirit help. You need to be filled with the Spirit, right? The Spirit of God's got to come in and do some work. Because there's some stuff in your flesh you can't get rid of in your flesh. It can only be dealt with by the power of the Spirit. You've got to let the Holy Spirit work on you and have his way in your life. Look at B. When is anger not sin? When you choose not to act on your anger. Anger is not sin when you choose not to act on your anger. Psalm 4, verse 4, don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. I said it earlier, you are at your worst. You are mentally at your least when you are the most angry. The writer of the psalm says, sleep on it, keep quiet. How many times have you seen somebody on social media post something in a heated moment that they only have to or should retract later on because they posted it in their anger? How many times have you written something and sent an email that you should have never hit send on because you reacted in your anger? Listen to me. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you should say it. Everything you feel privately should not be said publicly. Right? I, I was talking to somebody, and I, and I understand, I understand I'm like a dinosaur. I understand I'm, I'm from a different era. I, I, I understand that. I, I remember, you know, when, when cell phones weren't even in existence. I, 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 I get that. But there's some stuff you don't need to share. Right? It's like there's some stuff it is private. And private doesn't mean it should be shared with like 18 million other people. It should be kept to yourself. And some of your feelings need to be kept, especially when you are reacting to something in the fit and heat of the moment. You've got to learn how to sleep on it, keep quiet, and chill. I was talking to 
somebody not long ago who got mad and frustrated about something. And man, they let some folk have it, posted something really nasty online. I mean, just let them have it. And the folk that they posted the stuff about didn't know them, didn't know anything about the situation, came to find out it was somebody else's fault who knew somebody who said something about somebody. And the only thing the person could say who posted all of that was, "Uh uh-oh, I shouldn't have put that out there, huh? No, you shouldn't have. Look at C. Anger does not become sin when you control yourself instead of allowing anger to control you. When you learn how to control yourself instead of allowing anger to control you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. When you are angry, don't let that anger make you sin. Don't stay angry all day. Don't give the devil a way to defeat you. When you are angry, don't let that anger make you sin. All anger does not have to lead to sin. But don't use your anger to justify your sin. Listen, there is holy anger and there is unholy anger. Uh, Mark 3 gives you an example of holy anger. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. Jesus is angry, but he's angry at the religious leaders who are more committed to keeping laws than they are to helping and loving people. But notice he doesn't allow that righteous indignation to keep him from helping the man who had the withered hand. Here's my point. If anger causes you to lose sight of what your goal and objective should be, and that's living a life that is pleasing to God, honoring God so that your life and your living is a testimony to his grace and mercy in your life, And if that anger moves you to retaliate against somebody or to get somebody else or to put them in place or to check them and it's about you and it's not about God, then I'm telling you that anger is not holy. And you've got to be careful not to use holy anger and use a holy anger to justify unholy actions you're doing it in the name of Jesus. Some of you have been angry so long, you claim it as part of your personality. Yeah, it becomes a descriptor and a describer of who you are. When I was a kid, uh, I would go visit my grandmother, and she lived up on a hill in West Virginia, and there was a house next door. It was an old raggedy house run down had old clothes in it and whatnot and and so it was one of those houses right that grown people would tell you to stay out of and you know when they told you to stay out of a place when you were a kid what would you do you're gonna go in right I mean you're telling me not to go in I got to go in and see what's going on and I mean it was a nasty house I mean it was nasty you know old clothes and food it's it's just a bad house nobody lived in there I mean the place really could have been condemned and so I asked my grandmother, who used to live there? 
And my grandmother said, Nasty Annie Pearl. I mean, I thought Nasty was her first name. You know what I mean? Yeah, Nasty Annie Pearl. So that was Nasty Annie Pearl's house, you know. So she get a dog, dog take off. Go on back there behind Nasty Annie Pearl's house and get that dog, right? I mean, Nasty Annie Pearl. I mean, the adjective became her first name. It became a noun pronoun, right? Nasty Annie Pearl. I remember one time we actually met. I remember my grandmother introducing me to. She said, oh, she said, come here, boy. She said, I want you to meet Annie Pearl. I said, Nasty Annie Pearl? <laughs> no, boy, ain't no Nasty Annie Pearl. <laughs> but Grandma, you said Nasty Annie Pearl. I... What happens when somebody uses your anger to describe who you are? So much so that it becomes part of your name. That's mean Mary. That's nasty Norman. That's devilish Don, right? Like, like what, what, what happens when people take the negative of your behavior and assign it to your person? See, some of you have been angry so long, you don't know what it's like to live not angry. You don't know what it's like to live outside of the effects of anger. And here's what I want to leave you with. Anger may have been with you a long time, but it's not supposed to be there. And God says there's an option. Look at Psalm 37, verse 8. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. If you're going to have peace in your present and blessings in your future, then you have to release the pain that is the root of the anger from your past. And God says the choice is yours. You don't have to walk around being angry. And anger should not be a badge of honor for you. Ooh, you angry just like your daddy. That's not a good thing. You crazy like your mama. That's not a good thing. You mean like your auntie. That's not a good thing. Those are not family traits that you want passed down. Those are not things that you want to inherit. Here's the third and final thing. Number three, you must replace your anger with positive attitudes and actions as soon as possible. You must replace your anger with positive attitudes and actions as soon as possible. I, I, I use that phrase as soon as possible because this is something you don't want to play with. Uh, th this is like, for me, a cancer diagnosis. You get a cancer diagnosis, you don't want to play with it, you don't want to linger with it, you don't want to think about your treatment options for 10 years, right? If you get a diagnosis, you want to find out immediately, what do we need to do to address this? And for somebody in here, anger is a cancer to your spirit. And the question is, what are you going to do to stop playing with it and address it so that your life can be the best it can possibly be? Look at Ephesians chapter 4. 
beginning at verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, circle the word instead. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Paul says one of the ways to release bitterness, wrath, anger, harsh and evil words and malice is to do the right thing. And you want to do the right thing, why? In part so you don't have time to do the wrong thing. If I'm focusing on the positive, I can't remain negative. But if I focus on the negative, guess what? I can't be positive. What does God want to add to your life? Kindness, mercy, forgiveness. Can I tell you the problem for somebody in here? You don't want to add kindness, mercy, and forgiveness to your life because of how you perceive it to benefit the person who's done you wrong. And you fail to realize that you're cutting off your nose to spite your face because the greatest beneficiary of you changing your attitude is not the other person, it's you. But you're so busy looking at how it's going to benefit them that you can't see how it's going to benefit you. Uh, let me give you an example. I was in a meeting with a person, this was several years ago, and, and so an investment opportunity presented itself. And so the gentleman said, uh, you know, here's the investment opportunity, here's the ask, and here's what you're going to get for your investment. And so he presented it. I thought it was a fair, fair number, what he was asking for. It was lower risk, rate of return comparable to the risk. Um, but it looked like a great situation. I, I presented, have it presented to the guy, and here's what the guy said. How much money is he going to make? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's his deal. Was he going to make more than I make? Well, it's his deal. You can ask him, but he didn't ask you to fund the whole deal. He asked you if you wanted to invest. You can choose not to invest. Well, I don't want to invest until I know how much he going to make. Wait a minute, hold up. You, if you make an investment, don't you want to know how much you're going to make? Yeah, yeah, I want to know what I'm going to make, but I need to know how much he's going to make. So you're so worried about what he's going to get that you're going to pass up what you could get. Now, here's my point. Stay with me. So you don't want to forgive, you don't want to show kindness, and you don't want to show mercy because you think it's going to benefit the other person and you fail to see that it's going to benefit you more than it's going to benefit anybody else. If they are blessed by it, praise God. But you are going to be blessed in your own spirit more than anybody else can be blessed by releasing and letting go of that anger. You can't let go of the negative. And not embrace what God has for you. You, you got to choose that. Because watch this. If you're holding on to the negative, your hands are closed. 
and you can't receive what God has for you. You can't embrace what God. If your fists are balled, you don't hug with your fists balled up. You, you can't grab hold of what God has for you if you're busy fighting what has happened to you. Look at Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I want you to underline that phrase, fix your thoughts. And then underline that phrase, think about. Go to verse 9. Keep putting into practice. Underline that phrase. Keep putting into practice. All you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Keep putting into practice. Listen to me carefully. Keep putting into practice. No, not one time do it and then think it's going to last forever. No, you've got to keep putting into practice these positive things. You've got to keep, why? Because in your spirit, in your flesh, you are going to naturally default to your flesh and naturally default to the negative. You've got to keep putting into practice those things that God has taught you to do. You've got to think on it. You've got to live it. You've got to believe it. You've got to behave it. You have to keep putting it into practice. Go to Ephesians 4. Look at verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off. Everybody say throw off. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Verse 24, put on your new nature. Everybody say, put on. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, here's what's interesting. I believe this passage speaks more to sanctification than it does salvation. In other words, God is sending this message to the saints. He is sending this to believers. And he's basically saying this. There are too many of you who have still put on, left on, and living out of your old sinful nature. And you have to make a decision to throw it off. And you have to be conscious in your decision to put on your new nature. Throw off the pain of your past so you can enjoy the life that you have today. So when Brandon was a little boy, um, probably about five, he was able to dress himself. And I remember we had to go somewhere and I told Brandon, I said, Brandon, I said, I, I put some clothes in there on your bed. Go in there and, and put on those clothes so we can get ready to go. And so he had come in from playing. He went into the room, and I'm doing some other stuff. And then all of a sudden, I hear him crying. And he's frustrated. And, and so I go in the room because I'm trying to figure out what's wrong. All you had to do was get dressed. And, and he's in there, and he's got his pants on. And, and he said, I can't get these pants on. I'm trying, Dad. I can't get these pants on. And I looked down, and he was trying to pull the new pants on over his old sneakers and his old clothes. And so he couldn't. Now, my, it was my fault, right, because my son listened to me literally say, go put on. 
he didn't hear what I had assumed that he would know to take off what he already had on so he could put on what he needed to put. And I'm trying to help somebody in here because here's the problem. You've been trying to pull on a new nature, but you haven't taken off the old one yet. You're still acting the old ugly way and then you claim you're going to put on something new and all that's going to happen is you're going to get frustrated in your life because you can't put on the new when you're still wearing the old. Somebody in here, you've got to take off your hurts and put on your healing. You've got to take off your fears and put on your faith. You've got to take off your frustration and put on the freedom and the favor of God on your life. You've got to take off your anger and put on God's anointing. You've got to learn how to take it off and then put on what God has for you. Let me close with this. I want us to read Jeremiah 29, verses 10 and 11 together. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now let me just share some principles out of this very quickly before I let you go. Children of Israel are in Babylonian captivity, and God, through the prophet Jeremiah, brings them a word of hope. And God says to Jeremiah, tell the people of God that I know where they are. Watch this. Their pain has had a starting point and it will have an ending point. I have not forgotten where they are. I have not forgotten what they're going through. And I still have plans for their life. And my brothers and my sisters, here's what I want you to leave here today with. I want you to leave here with the hope that God has a plan for your life. And listen to me carefully. Somebody who's streaming, listen to me today. God's plan for your life is better than the pain you've been living with. God's plan for your life is better than the anger you've been living with. God's plan for your life is better than the hurts, the fears, and the frustrations that have paralyzed you. And too many of us, we live with a passivity. No, no, I'm not going to talk about you. I'm going to talk about me. For too long, I have lived with a passivity that has accepted and welcomed the mediocrity that I have lived my life at. Because I accepted what came as if that was God's plan. I embraced it, even though it was less than, as God's plan for my life when I fail to realize that it's not God's plan and it doesn't have to be my reality. Now I'm going to give you a simple example. This is just a physical example. Uh, my great-grandmother had diabetes. 
My grandmother had diabetes. My mother had diabetes, right? Had aunts, play aunts, diabetes. Everybody had diabetes. And so it would just be natural for me to have diabetes. I, it didn't even skip generations of my family, right? I mean, I, I can look back and see legs lost, limbs lost, feet, all, just all the way down. Now, I have a choice. I can accept diabetes as my destiny and my lot in life because everybody in my family had it. Like when the doctor says you got a family history of diabetes, like find somebody who doesn't because everybody does. Or I can make a decision and say, you know what? It's not going to be my lot. Right? You can look back in your family. You can see the anger. You can see the pain. Generationally, you can see it. Now, you have a choice. You can embrace that as your destiny, or you can say, you know what? It stops now. And we're going to make a change in our life. And you can look at every subject of your life. Pervasive ignorance in your family poverty in your family. I mean, you pick the subject matter. You can just look at it and you can see generationally and folk just think that's just the way it has to be. And it doesn't have to be that way. You choose for it to be that way. And for somebody today, I want you to choose better for yourself. I, I want you to make a determination. Don't wait until 2020 to turn the page. Turn the page today. And say, you know what? Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Because watch this. You've been living according to your plan. Where has it gotten you? How are you feeling? Do you feel like you're fulfilling God's potential in your life? Are you living a life of peace that passes all understanding? Or are you still wrestling with the pain that you justify in your flesh, but is hindering you in your spirit? And my prayer for you today is that like everything in your life, you would take ownership, not for how you got here, but you take ownership for where you decide to be. If you decide to stay where you are, that's your choice. But know it's also your choice if you say, you know what? I'm gonna move from here to fulfill my potential in Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you and bless you for today. And I pray now, that as your word has gone forth, um, you would bless us to make for somebody the hard and tough decisions that need to be made in order to experience the fullness and totality of what it means to live in you. Help us, God, to overcome those things by the power of your spirit so that we can live a life that's pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everyone who can, everyone.
you can make something beautiful out of your life if you allow God to come alongside and walk you into that that beautiful future. If you're watching today via streaming, uh, you can also have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Both on the app and on the website, you can find information that will show you how to become a Christian, how to be saved. Not perfect, but saved. As a matter of fact, it's in our imperfections and the acknowledgement of those imperfections that we can accept the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And we would love to plug you in, if not to this ministry, to another church. As Bible teaching, Bible preaching, Bible believing to help you fulfill your potential in the Lord. If you're here today, there are men and women who are standing all over who would love to show you privately how to ask the Lord into your life. So if you're here today, you need the Lord in your life. If you're here today, God is moving on your heart to make a decision for Jesus. Listen to me carefully. If you're here today, you may not be a member of the church. You may be visiting, but you know what? God is moving on you, and you said, man, I need to give my life to the Lord. Preacher, you was knocking on my door. You were stepping on my toes. Um, you don't have to be a member here. We'll give you a letter, and you can go wherever you want to go, and we'll just let folk know. We'll witness and testify to the fact that you gave your life to the Lord December the 1st, 2019. It's a mighty good day to make it right with God. Mighty good day to make it right with God. So if you're upstairs in the balcony to my left or to my right, come on and come and say yes to the Lord. God loves you where you are, but he won't leave you there. He'll make something beautiful out of your life if you let him. Come on. Father, we thank you now as we continue our worship around giving an opportunity to get back to you out of what you have given to us. And we pray that our giving would be favorable in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Good hope it's time for the offering. Amen. This is our one and only opportunity to worship the Lord in giving. Uh, I've asked you over the last several weeks to make sure that you bathe your giving in prayer. That it is for you what it is for God. It's an act of worship. And when we give back to God, we're just giving him out of what he has blessed us with. Whether you text to give or you give online or you give via cash or check, however God leads you to give, uh, make sure that you are prayerful in your giving. Now, I believe some of us don't pray and ask God what he wants us to give because we may be afraid of the answer. But, but I want to tell you something that I've learned, and I think every saint can testify to this. I have never, never in my life lacked because I obeyed God in giving. Not one time. Not one time. I mean, even when God said, I want you to do this, and it was above and beyond, and it was one of those amounts when I went, huh? Like, is that God? I don't, God, is that you? Like, maybe it's just in my head, you know. And it's like, God, Spirit of God, mm-mm. Never, not one time did I miss what God told me to do when I obeyed what God told me to do. So I want you to be prayerful uh, about what it is that God wants you to do in terms of worship. And remember, you can't beat God giving no matter how you try. All right? Let's worship the Lord in giving. Following that, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Let's come forward. Let's prepare for the Lord's Supper. We'll close out on the announcements. Let's stay in the spirit of worship. As we come during this Advent season, when the fulfillment of prophecy occurred, when the kinsman redeemer would come, 
when the son of God became the son of man so that the sons and daughters of men could become the sons and daughters of God. His sojourn on earth pre-Calvary came to a climax at the Lord's Supper table when the common elements of the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine that we used in the Passover meal were given uncommon significance by him when he took those elements and blessed them and distributed them and gave them to his disciples and said these elements now represent my body and my blood which will be given for you they still didn't understand the, the significance of it because it was before Calvary and before resurrection Sunday but basically what the Lord said is I'm going to make the sacrifice for you so no other sacrifice will have to be made by you and if you believe by faith this body and this blood will never lose its power we come today around this table to worship and before we do I want to give you just few seconds to bow your heads and pray for yourself typically we'll ask God to forgive us of our sins but the Bible says that the standard by which the amount by which we can be forgiven by him is predetermined by our forgiveness of others and so right now for a few seconds, I want you to think about, and if you can't remember anybody, ask the Holy Spirit to bring back to your remembrance somebody you need to forgive, something you need to let go of. Because before God can forgive you, God says, I've got to see you willing to forgive somebody else. Before God can let it go for you, you've got to let it go for somebody else. So let's take a few, few moments and just pray to yourself as you ask God to prepare you to come to this table of worship. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come to you in prayer. We thank you for your Holy Spirit bringing back to our remembrance those things that we need to resolve and those things that we need to forgive others for. 
And God, we pray for your forgiveness as we come to this table. Help us, God, to live the life that is pleasing in your sight. God, as we partake of this unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine, we remember the sacrifice that you made for us. And God, we pray that what you have given for us would encourage and challenge us to give more to you. Help us, Lord, so that our lives would be pleasing in your sight. It's in you that we live, move, and have our being. And we pray that our living would be pleasing to you. Bless the unleavened bread of the fruit of the vine, that it will nourish our spirit to continue the path of fulfilling our potential in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
there anyone who desired to be served who was omitted or overlooked? If so, raise your hand. Those of you who would like to stand, you're welcome to do so. night that Jesus was betrayed he took the bread and after he blessed it he broke it and gave it to his disciples he said take eat this is my body which is given for you everybody say for me may be hard for you to realize this but over 2,000 years ago Jesus saw you in need and gave his life for you you ought to say thank you today because he saw you at your worst and knew if he died, you could be at your best. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Let us eat and remember together. Likewise, when supper was ended, he took the cup, the fruit of the vine, and after he blessed it he poured it and gave it to his disciples he said take drink this is my blood that's given for you it's the new covenant the writer of Hebrews said without the shedding of blood there can be no remission of sins as often as you do this do so in remembrance of me let us drink and remember together Let us pray. Father, we thank you and bless you for the opportunity to worship around this table, to celebrate this meal of the ages. And we pray, God, as we leave this place, that we would leave here committed to living and doing what's right in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we ask your blessings. Amen. You may be seated. interested in taking hope to the world in 2020? Are you looking for a life-changing international experience where you can live out your faith and change people's lives? We invite anyone willing to share the love of God and interested medical or dental professionals to attend the 2020 Missions Trip Interest Meeting, December 15th at 10 a.m. and 12 noon in room 221 in the Center for Hope. For more questions, contact Minister Mark Sloan at mslone at goodhope.org. Join the Senior Adult Ministry and Heavenly Match Travel on a dazzling tour of Christmas lights on December 14th from 6 to 9 p.m. Bring your family and friends, a light snack, and your Christmas cheer as we embark at Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church and end the tour in the historic River Oaks neighborhood. Contact Sister Myra Allen to purchase your ticket today.
It's that time of year again for the annual Ladies Holiday Social. Join the Sisters of Hope Women's Ministry for an afternoon of fellowship, games, and food on December 14, 2019 from 1 to 3 p.m. in The View. Ladies, please bring some feminine hygiene products to donate to the Beacon of Hope Ministries. We can't wait to see you there. Don't forget, for additional events and announcements, download our new interactive I Am Hope mobile app. CDs of all sermons are located in the Center for Hope bookstore for a donation of $5. That about does it for this week's Good News Weekly announcements. Have a blessed and prosperous week. And remember, good hope, loving God, loving all people, and changing the world. Amen. Govern yourselves accordingly to the announcements. Let's thank God for our senior pastor and for preaching a word that we all need and prayerfully that you're moving from conviction to conduct. Amen. Amen. All right, it's time for us to recognize our guest. So if you're visiting with us for the very first time today, would you please stand? We're not going to ask you to say anything. We do want to recognize you, though. Amen. Please remain standing. Amen. Well, we're so glad that you came to fellowship with the Good Hope Church today. We hope and pray that you have been blessed by the singing, by the word, and by the fellowship. Now, because you're here, we have a special reception that we've set up for you. I'm going to ask that you gather your things, and if someone came with you, they can go with you as well and follow these young ladies who are part of our guest relations ministry. We have a special gift for you, and we're going to tell you a little more about the Good Hope Church. God bless you. Thank you for coming. You are welcome to come back. Amen. things I want you to be aware of. Uh, there is no Bible study for the rest of the year at 12 noon and in the evenings on Wednesday. So we're giving you a break until January. Continue to pray for our sick and shunned members as well as all of our grieving families, especially at this time of the year becomes rough. So keep the grieving families on your list. Amen. All right. Uh, I think we got a few more. All right. Amen. All right. Well, if everybody is good, let's stand and receive the benediction. Touch a hand, grab a shoulder, give a hug. God, we thank you today for this word that you've given to us to help us, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that we can count on the Holy Spirit to fill us up, to do all that we can do, to handle our anger, and to release us, Lord, to do what you would have us to do. Thank you, Lord, that, that we have your word that we can count on. And so today we, we pray right now that your word that has been given unto us will change our lives. 
Uh, Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that you bless them this week when they rise up early and settle late. Bless them, Lord, when they go out and when they come in. Bless them in their labor and in their leisure until we come together again in the house of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, hug somebody on your way out.